You are now listening to the Pittsburgh Wedding Podcast. In the pit with The Rick. We talk about some other shit, too. I created this podcast with these objectives in mind. To offer ideas and guidance when couples are planning their wedding. To hear what it is like behind the scenes for the best wedding vendors, particularly DJs, in Pittsburgh and surrounding areas. Getting to know vendors on a personal level. Listen to dope DJ sets from the area's best and most sought-after DJs for weddings, and to have some fun. Welcome to In The Pit. Allow myself to introduce myself. Hi, my name is The Rick. So I, I usually record on Tuesday evenings uh, and then release episodes on Wednesdays, but I was doing a Sunday this week because my guest could not make it during the week. You know, when you have kids, sometimes have you have man. to, you got to kind of adapt with your family and you got to adapt to their growth. Uh, it's a growing process for everybody. <laughs> but uh, so we had to switch to a Sunday uh, which is kind of weird. I'm not used to like, I'm, usually, I'm used to doing this in the evening. So doing this in a Sunday afternoon is, is a little, a little weird, but nonetheless, we're here and joining me is the third most popular person from Philadelphia. And if you don't know who the, the first two are, then I just have no time for you in my life, but introducing my man, DJ ill also known by his government name, Mike Bothwell. Mike, thanks for joining me, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Uh, the people that he was referencing actually are Hall & Oates. <laughs> it's also, not, but that's who I was. Also, if you, if you don't know who I'm referencing, I also have no time for you in my life once again. I know who you're <laughs> For those of you that don't know, I was obviously mentioning Jazzy Jeff and, and Will Smith. Uh, I would say... Amongst everyday people, Will Smith is definitely like more popular. But amongst DJs, I feel like Jazzy Jeff. Like, there's oh, sure. no, there's nobody more popular than Jazzy. Oh, sure. Jeff. I mean, I, I listen to like he, you know, he does stuff all the time on like Twitch and and Mixcloud stuff. I listen to that when I do yard work and everything. It's great. Well, he's on uh, Apple now too. Yeah, I saw he. Oh, he's all over the place. Yeah, his people. I think my wife actually. I referenced him one time saying that, like, I was listening to a mix by him or something like that. And she was like, he, wait, he actually DJs? Like, she just knew him from the show. <laughs> from the show, Or, yeah. like, the fact that, you know, he was in, you know, the, the duo back in the, ooh, sorry, back in the day. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like, he tours all over. And I was, I was mentioning, like, you know, Zimmy going on, uh, you know, tour being his uh, uh, tech guy yeah. and everything like that. And I'm like, yeah, like, he's in, like, Dubai or something right now, like, when it was. I'm like, it's insane. Yeah, you know, it's, people don't realize it. Yeah, it's crazy. They just think he's the guy that Uncle Phil threw out of the house all the time. Most, most <laughs> he used to throw out, <laughs> out the door. <laughs> Pittsburgh sports fans have teams that they hate. I actually, I have no hate for the Eagles. Like I, they're like they're not even on my radar. But I do have to ask you this because you've been in Pittsburgh for how long? How long now? Um, this past August was twenty-one years. 
So it's, over, uh, well so, I mean, over, over half my life. You're a Pittsburgher now. I mean, I live in Pittsburgh, and it's it's nothing other than you know, like I guess it's funny. I, uh, you know, we'll we'll get into it later. I, I'm a teacher, and like I've had like principals and stuff like. Why aren't you, you know, why aren't you cheering for the Steelers when we have Steeler Day? I'm like, well, if you lived in Philadelphia, would you cheer for the Eagles? And they're all like, oh, hell no. Like, there you get my point. And, and that happens, like, all the time with all types of people. I just never converted. I love Pitt. Uh, I have a lot of former students who played uh, who played football there. Um, yeah. Go Woodland Hills. Uh, that's my school. That's where I work. Uh, so, you know, a lot of former players. You know who've gone through there, so like I, I just you know latched on to Pitt, but I just never latched on to the Pittsburgh sports because it's just you know because you're from I'm 18, Philly. 18, you know coming out here when I was I was seventeen, I turned eighteen like right as I started college, you know young for my uh, grade level. Like I, I'm not one of those Pittsburgh sports fans where like I hate this team like because yeah. I'm from, but I will say this, I well if they're not in your division, I hate. The Flyers. As you should. I hate the Flyers. As you should. And why? Because they're in the same they're division. They're in the same like, division. The people who do the whole Eagles Steelers thing, I don't want to sound like they play know, what like once every four, four years. years. They're actually playing next year because of that whole uh, the new the the eighteen oh, the, the seventeenth yeah. game. And since they both finished second, they play. And we're actually planning on we're going to try depending on the weekend. If I don't have a wedding or something, yeah. we're gonna actually going to take uh, our he will be eight year old yeah. uh, to the game. We'll just drop the baby off with my parents and. And oh, take nice. him. Yeah, like we're actually kind of. He was like his eyes lit up when we told him that they were playing in Philly. So, but like, there is like you know I don't want to sound like uppity when I say this. There is zero rivalry in like from Philly to Pittsburgh. Like you go to Philly and like when the Steelers win the Super Bowl, people are like, oh, hey, all right, Steelers win the Super Bowl. It wasn't the Cowboys, right? You know, like that type of thing. And like you know when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, I'm getting like, yelled at. Well, but it's like. The I mean, first off, baseball. Who cares? Like pirates, come on, irrelevant. Yeah, Phillies, I mean, virtually irrelevant. Nobody outside hates of the... them because they're they're not a threat. <laughs> <laughs> you, no. you only hate the teams that are good. But yeah. I will well, say the this: the Flyers aren't good. Trust me. I, no, well, <laughs> terrible no, they're right terrible now. too. <laughs> but I, I will say this: like, it's funny you mentioned the Cowboys because when you ask like somebody from Pittsburgh, like, what teams don't you like? Mm-hmm. Majority of the time, you'll get Flyers, Ravens, Patriots. I so my like the teams that I actually hate like have, don't care for obviously the Flyers mm. and the Cowboys like I don't and I don't know if I I respect the Ravens I don't really hate them yeah. and I never I never hated like I never hated the Patriots yeah like I mean they were just they're the Patriots like I feel like everybody hates them but it's I more don't en- it's probably more envious yeah it's envious. because it's like exactly. you have that much sustained success but like. Dead serious. A lot of people in Philadelphia think the Steelers that same way. I was talking to a couple of my boys. Uh, I was like, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, right around the end of the season, and you know, we were like, man, like we'd love to have you know a quarterback. We're not like huge fans of Ben as a person. Yeah. But the stability at quarterback for that long. I mean, we were seniors. He's he's eight months, six months older than I am. Yeah. And he was drafted in our senior year, like, going in our senior year. Like, man. Or, like, right at the end of our senior year, I guess he was drafted because that was, like, April of 04. Yeah. So I'm old. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, just to have, like, that sustained. We've gone through. I listed in, in our in our group text. I listed, <laughs> like, of starting, like, more than a few games. It was, you know, it was getting, like, it wasn't, like, Browns, you know, that guy, that meme of the guy with, you know, the, yeah. the tail yeah, yeah, on yeah. his jersey of all the Browns quarterbacks. It wasn't that bad, but... It was uh, it was rough. I Ben, 
I, I don't think Ben gets the credit that he deserves because of the way he plays. Mm. Like, he is, maybe not this year, because obviously his his skills, yeah, I mean, he's older yeah. now. His skills have diminished quite a bit, obviously. But in his prime, there's not many quarterbacks I would have taken to win one game no. because just, like, the dude's a warrior. Doesn't he and have, like, the all-time record for, like, fourth quarter winning I, drives or something like yeah, that? Yeah, he's in the... He may be it's up there. one, but he's yeah. he may, may definitely top three. But like, were you a uh, were you a McNab- McNabb guy? Yeah, I like McNabb. I yeah. never never. I mean, you know, old puking and and here's the thing too that like with sports that people do a lot is people always say like like a certain play like for instance how for how long did McNabb get the label as like choking? Because how many NFC Championship games did they go to? Three before Three they went. Before they went. Were yeah. they consecutive? I can't remember. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah they, four, they went to this four years in a row. It was, it was but cool. it wasn't all on him. Like, no. two of those times, like, they lost to teams that were better. So yeah. I think sometimes play, quarterbacks always – quarterbacks, you know, it's it's that well, position. Like, when you win, you're the best. When you lose, like, it's your fault. I mean, this is a and, – and Pittsburgh is sort of going through it right now, like the Steelers, but – like, I'm going to drop some names right now, some of the, the wide receivers that the, the Eagles had during those times. Uh, James Thrash, Todd Pinkston, yeah. and Freddie Mitchell. Freddie Pink, Mitchell, Pinkston you will know because of... Toothpick. He was alligator arms. He avoided contact. Freddie Mitchell, the only reason you know him is because he made that as the 4th and 26 catch, and then he donned his fur coat. He's like, I'd like to thank my hands for being so great, <laughs> which is amazing. You know, that's like Philadelphia legend right there. But, like... He wasn't a good player. No. Like they literally, Terrell Owens has been the best receiver until Devonta Smith. Yeah, like that's the best receiver, and they had him for technically one. Year I will say, Steelers two. have produced a lot of like solid receivers. Over yeah, the like right now, it's just like, you know, like, what do they have? Like you know, it's it's in like that flux. Yeah, like, I think I think Deontay Johnson is mm-hmm. if he if he stays the correct course, I think he could be. A top ten receiver in Claypool this league torched the torched the Eagles. Yeah, that was his uh, rookie four touchdown game last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone's like, "Oh my god, he's gonna be amazing!" And then, why did you move to Pittsburgh from? Philly? So I, uh, I uh, went to Duquesne University uh, for actually I went for physical therapy. Uh, like that was my original major, and I just wasn't feeling the program. They made changes. Blah blah blah. Uh, I wasn't. Turns out I didn't know how to study, like, high school. Like, AP classes were, like, a breeze in high school. And it turns out I didn't know how to study, so I switched my major education. My dad was a, a teacher for 36, 37 the, years. The irony in, I don't know how to study. I'm going into education. Well, the funny thing is it – I had, like – so I switched my sophomore year. Yeah. And, like, I lost my scholarship because my GPA dipped below, like, the need in health sciences, blah, blah, blah. So I switched to education, and the second semester I took – the most ridiculous course. Like I, I initially taught uh, high school social studies. That was okay. the first six years of my teaching career. So I'm in like these like history classes, whatever. And I decided, yes, uh, I'm going to take an Egyptian civilization class because that is what you're going to be teaching in like middle school, high school. That's like the dumbest <laughs> thing ever. It was like 300, 400 level. Like I'm in there with like seniors, whatever. It's probably interesting. It was, but I had no idea like how to take these tests and like whatever. It was all like the essays. It was all essay tests. Yeah. I went into the final with a D, and my parents said, if you don't pull this up, we're pulling you out of Duquesne. Like, you can stay at Pitt because, like, I was in a fraternity at the time, had a girlfriend. Like, they were like, you can go to Pitt 
but you, you know, because obviously we've been significantly cheaper at the time. Right. Like, we're pulling out. Something clicked. I got like an A minus on the final, pulled my average up to a C plus for the year. <laughs> and my parents were like, why didn't you do this the whole time? I'm like, I don't know, I'm just gonna learn how to do it now. Um, and then like, then it was like college was a breeze. You know, education is definitely different than like a health science in terms yeah. of like what you do. Right. And you get, you know, your, uh, you know, your student teaching was basically like a 60 hour a week job that you're not paid for. Yeah. Um, so after that, uh, most of my friends were sticking around like my fraternity brothers my close college friends were sticking around uh i went to grad school for it's like two and see so yeah like four yeah two years um and in that time i was subbing and i got a job at woodland hills in january of 2006 literally hold on what's today's date today it is, is the 23rd so 2006 so three three days ago in 2006 i got hired was my first day at woodland hills okay. and i've been there since um it was just never, you know, everything just kind of, you kind of stick where you, stay where you are. And, yeah. you know, I had, like I said, I had friends out here and I'd looked to move home like initially in the beginning, but like once I got a permanent job, I was like, well, there's no point in, there's no point in leaving. Let me just yeah. ride this out. So, I asked, um, I asked underdog this because he's also, you know, obviously, you know, he's in education Yeah. and do, well, let me start. Do the kids at school know you're a DJ? Um, or yeah. Some of them. So we'll. When I taught, so when I taught at the high school, I started in 2009. Uh, I started DJing in 2009. And actually, I don't even know, I think you know this, but I know it hasn't been talked about like in, in Joe's episode or anything like that. He's the reason that I got into DJing. Okay. So I one did day, know that. Yeah. So you may not know the story. So one day I'm sitting at lunch, I'm sitting in our teacher break room, and I just hear music in the cafeteria. And I'm just like, you know, bumping my head. I'm like, all right, let me see what's going on here. And now he had started earlier that year as a special ed teacher and we had like introduced ourselves. We had become friendly. Uh, this was you know, maybe two months in the school or something like that. And, you know, we'd become friendly and whatever, but I didn't know that he was a DJ. So I go into the cafeteria and look, there's a dude with a laptop and a little tiny controller. And he's just, you know, got like one speaker out and he's just banging some, some good. And this is, you know, this is 2008, I guess. Okay. So, you know, rap, the rap scene is much different at that point. Oh, so, you know. Yeah, he's, throwing, like, he's, <laughs> he's throwing like the you know the right around the 2000s stuff and obviously some more current to the time things and so I just started talking with him about him like oh, you know I had no aspirations of being a DJ but I just I did love you know did love hip hop did love music yeah so then it got to he was like well listen like I do weddings do you want to come help me out you know a lot of guys when they get started DJing they're like their first thought is I want to be in the clubs I want to yeah. do the parties I want to do the clubs well Still got to learn how to DJ, right. and it's harder to get in. I think it's harder, probably harder to get in that way, than because a guy's not going to give up his residency, but he will have you play maybe like a five-song set at a wedding. Yeah, you know, knowing that if you know your stuff, like that type of thing. Right. So I worked with Joe, just you know, fielding requests and 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 helping set up equipment and this, that, and the other for about a year, and then he's finally like, well, "Do you want to do this?" And gave me a little controller about the size of a laptop to to practice on, and I just started download music and then went and it went from there and you know like we did a Wednesday night in like 2009 did it was literally the summer of 09 did a random Wednesday night at Finn McCool's he just talked to the owners He's like can we can we just like come in and chop it up like you don't gotta pay us or anything just yeah know, see what we give got. Mike yeah. a few beers and he so like a couple friends came out and you know it was we were playing it's like all right you play five songs I play five songs and then all of a sudden he's like hey I'm gonna go see the guy across the street uh it was a elixir at the time and he's like, I'm going to see them across the street. But he left for like an hour. <laughs> and it, I was like, what? I'm freaking out. 
and I just kind of kept going, doing my thing, like playing songs. I wasn't good by any stretch. I knew how to blend songs a little bit, but not, not great. Yeah. And, you know, I did an hour, and he rolls back. He's like, yeah, he's like, he's like, yeah, I was watching you the whole time from the window. He's like, he actually went to, like, another bar, like, a <laughs> spot over and could, like, see me, like, out of the corner. Of where we were. Yeah, I'm like, that's the biggest dick move ever but it was, you know, it was you know trial by fire Yoda got those moves man <laughs> and it went from there That's well he, he did give it. me credit actually what happened was so uh, some girl gave me her number because I was playing a song she liked I don't know uh, whatever I don't even remember the song but he comes running back in and for Joe you know that's a stretch uh, he comes <laughs> running back in he's like put on international players anthem right now I just saw that from the window of the bar across the street he's like play it and he's like, you're, he's like, you, you made it. I'm like, obviously I didn't make it. But like, he's like, that's your official. You got a girl's number doing it. <laughs> I don't even know what happened with that. But uh, yeah, so that, I mean, that was literally my start of DJing. But kind of getting back to your thing, uh, the kids at the high school did, you know, like I always, I always try to like, you know, give myself a little bit of a, uh, like let my kids get to know me a little bit. Yeah. So I started telling them, you know, like some of my hobbies, I'd say like, you know, I'm a DJ. So sometimes I would bring in like, you know, Christmas time, I might like, have like a mix on while they're working on a project or something right. like that. Especially like my seniors. Like I taught for six years, I taught AP European history. So these are like the best and the brightest kids yeah. in school. You can trust them to play something little. And then what's funny is as they went to college, they're like, can you make us a mix for like this party that we're going to feel like, yeah, sure. Like I'll throw something because it was good practice for me. And right, they, didn't, right. they didn't care if it wasn't that great. They didn't know the difference because right. they never heard really a DJ before. Sure. Um, now I work, for the past 11 years, I work in an elementary building. I basically do professional development for teachers, like teaching them how to use technology in the classroom, incorporating their lessons, that type of thing. So sometimes the PTA will be like, hey, we're having like a celebration for like these kids or like this these couple classes won an award. Will you play some music? So I'm not like DJing, DJing those things. I'm just playing music. But there have been times where I brought my stuff in. Like we did like a faculty, like a you know fifth grade versus the teacher's basketball game. So I brought in like, my controller and a lap and a and a turntable and I was just Get playing everybody stuff. Hyped. Oh my god, it's crazy. Like <laughs> and this was the one in my head was right around um well it's funny, you can the the kids will ride like the big songs forever, the little kids like Whip and Nene, they were or you know, watch me. They were like they they still yeah. you know, the little kids still love it. And they'll all sing it. They have no idea what's going on in the song. They have no idea what any of the words mean. But they're like, you know, you have like four hundred little kids like elementary age kids doing the ripping yeah. on the floor of the gym it's hilarious a lot of times especially in high school they don't believe that you have a life outside of oh yeah out of your out yeah, of your job you're school, like yeah. you're a teacher like you live in your classroom it's like this this teacher has no fucking life at yeah all. like his his life is to ruin my life yeah I mean you know I was I, I don't want to say I was like the cool teacher or anything like that but like I just had a good rapport with kids like yeah. it's just you know of course when I started I was 23 years old teaching 17 18 year old you know so like now, actually, some of them I do consider friends because, you know, we linked up while they were, like, after they were in college and, you know, we're only a couple years apart. Right. That was the other thing is, I keep hitting this cord. Um, <laughs> that was the other thing is, uh, at that time, I was starting to uh, DJ at Finn's, at Finn McCool's in the South Side. And I started as a replacement for Joe and Tony for Underdog and Crush. You know, they couldn't do it. They were sick. They had a wedding. I'd fill in for them. And it was great. You know, that's the ultimate, like, I'm eternally grateful for going into a good spot instead. You know, I did my dues at, at, at some dive bars and stuff around the city. But, you know, this is really, you know, that's the, you know, you're in the mix there, you know, yeah. when, you, when you go a place like that. Because 
it was, you know, it wasn't a club, but it was a popular bar. Right. And, you know, bar that pretty much was one of the only non, the non-clubs, I guess, that had DJs. Because, you know, you had your Elixir, your S-Bar at the time, uh, like places like that that had, you know, they were the clubs or the lounges, whatever you right. want to call them. This was probably, at least in the South Side, like probably one of the only bars that had a DJ. But, you know, who rolls in after they graduate when they're home from college former students yeah. and you know there was some that I'm like cool with I'm like eh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and there were some that I did not like that I did not have good relationships with I'm like oh hey guys you're 19 <laughs> got kicked out I'm proud of that I'm gonna be honest I'm proud of that like you gave me hell maybe fuck yourself get out yeah get the fuck out of here <laughs> a couple years later but whatever there's nothing wrong with that when, when did you make um, when did you kind of make the transition to like yeah, I think this is what I want to do. I want to do weddings, kind of like on a full-time. I mean, not on a full-time. Yeah. You have a full-time I know job, but as in a full-time weekend job. So I, I started doing like a few here and there. And it, you know, it definitely took a while. And the other problem, the other issue was like, you know, as Joe and Tony took more, as Underdog and Crush took more, I was working the bar scene more. So for a long time, now I did... Finn McCool's and then moved on to be the resident at Claude Irish Pub in the Southside Works. I did that from 2014 to 2019. And I was working... R.I.P. Claude. <sighs> Bless up. Did they... That's still empty, right? Yeah. I drove by there. Uh, my wife A lot of I, stuff there is empty. My wife went... Um, we were down there a couple months ago and I just like stopped just to kind of like walk by and it was still empty and it's such an amazing spot too it looked like it looked like just the very last it was like the very last day people Mm. left and that's probably that's probably exactly what happened too like there's still yeah like there's probably still like a beer down there like Half, probably the half malt, full from a little jar of malt vinegar on the tables. The right. Yeah, there, that more than likely happened. That's, I mean, that's a shame. That place was great because it was, you know, you could have an older group. The only problem was it just didn't get people because it was a destination. Like, it was in the end of the south side, away from all the bars. Like, you basically yeah. had to be like, we're going to Hofbrauhaus House or we're going to the movies and then going to Clauda. You never were like, oh, we're just going to stop by tonight. So. Right. We actually did great for the after wedding crowds. Yeah. Because they would come from there's Jay Verno nearby, the um, uh, the electrical workers union circuit center. That's circuit right. center. Yeah. Um, and then there was two hotels right there, the Hyatt House and the Spring is it Spring Hill Suites. Is that what Spring Hill? Yeah. And um, but like those are the ones that are right there. So you know you get we had a lot of after hour stuff there. So like it was always funny because even though. You know, like I said, I would do, you know, while during those years, you know, getting like weddings wasn't as easy because it's a lot of the time we didn't have a lot of people to cover. So I would just be like, I'm going to take, you know, I'm going to bite the bullet. Like I would right. take weddings when I get them, you know, because obviously you're booking so far in advance that right. by that time you can you find know, somebody. Yeah, you got, you know, a year to find out a cover. But, uh, you know, then finally, I guess really, so I was probably doing, you know, like a dozen a year. Uh during that time but yeah I just uh, you know once once that died down like once I got married slash Claude closed which was actually the exact same weekend it was the next day uh, oh that's right yeah literally I we totally had my we had my after party yeah. yeah we had my after party at Claude and then it was closed after the next day I totally forgot um, about that yeah and then uh, then it just kind of it really picked up after that um, 
But you know, I was, I'm not, I don't play the, just because I have a job, I like doing this as my side thing. I love doing it as my side thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, I never jumped like, you know, the wedding wire, not getting crazy about it. I'm much better at that now. I'm still not on those, but I'm much better at like promotion, it, yeah. uh, like to getting out there to do that. So it took a while for me to like, I, I kind of did weddings from the start. Yeah. And, you know, but I wasn't doing too many. And it was a lot of like friends and stuff like that because a lot right. of friends were getting married at the time. Like it really took, for me, just because of like kind of what I wanted to do and like you know maybe it was a little bit selfish like you know turning things down be like oh, I don't want to give up like my whole Saturday like whatever I don't know which in reality is stupid because again that's you're booking right. that a year in advance so uh, let's just call that dumb being in your you know late 20s yeah. type of attitude well I don't and you've heard me say this on multiple episodes and you know, the knot and wedding wire. Like, mm. people think I bash them, and, like, I don't bash them. Like, I think they're good. Yeah. I think they're good sites for certain things, mm-hmm. for help and guidance on your wedding. I just don't think they're a great resource for DJs. I, I don't. I, I just don't. Yeah. And, you know... And I'm not saying every DJ on there is terrible, because no, exactly. obviously there's not. I mean, yeah, DJ Crush is on there, are, and there's a lot fine. of... Yeah. But, the issue is, and, you know, it's funny, is, like, I was listening to, on the way home from the wedding I did, I helped uh, Crush last night. On the way home, I listened to this episode, just kind of like, you know, just wanted to, like, get my brain moving yeah. for this. And, you know, you guys were talking about that. And and I was thinking back to, like, my wedding. And, you know, we got our photographer off. It was one of them. I don't remember which one. But, you know, like, I was able to look at a sample of their work. Right. That's easy. You can't do that for a DJ. No. You know? And it's like you guys were talking about, you know, the best is getting the that side review, like the unbiased because, right. you know, you do a good job for a couple. Yeah. They're going to, they're going to recommend you for sure, which is great. I mean, that's obviously what we want. We want that right. passed on. I unfortunately have to, the wedding I had last weekend literally recommended me to her bridesmaid there. Unfortunately, I can't do it. You said you can't do it either. Uh, <laughs> I can't. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, but you know, that's like, that's what we want. But that, that also like that, you know, that person was at the wedding. Well, I heard this, let me reach out to, to my friend who got married and see who her DJ was. Like, that's the good stuff. And then, you know, the DJs who put out like, you know, little sample mixes here and there, like I have on my website, I have like a 15 minute wedding promo and I, you know, it's, it's not, uh, it's not exact. It's not like, this is how I DJ. Cause there are, I have seen DJs who like have a program that I think was actually my cousin's, one of my cousin's weddings, the DJ clearly had a programmed set. Like, I'm not even sure if they actually if DJed. He was playing it. They were behind a facade that was like almost chin high. So yeah. you couldn't see what they were doing. And I'm like 99% sure. It was recorded. Yeah. Yeah. Now granted, some of the songs that she wanted to hear was in there. I just know that because there was one for my grandpa or yeah. our grandpa. Um, but like, you know, so I always tell couples, you know, I have this like 15 minute promo mix as I call it, but it's, it's kind of just like, it's just, this is an example of what I might play. Yeah, and it's now just, granted a lot of that stuff I end up because it's, you know, it's your, your poppy, your, yeah. you know, your party music. Um, but you know, everything's customizable right. and you know, it's what you want, but it gives you an idea of like how I play. You know, I, you don't, you know, looking at the wedding wire, like someone may have a great review, but they could be, you get them and they're that type of person who goes like song fade out song fade out next song fade out you know what i mean like they're right. not right now and and i think when i got started one of the best uh pieces of advice for like you know putting myself out there was to explain that you know we are 
like club DJs who do weddings. Right. You know, because there is a difference. Like wedding DJ in your mind, you're thinking, you know, guy YMCA, in the cummerbund. Yeah. Dancing you know. with the crowd. Come on, everybody. Yeah. All everybody right. Here's the next song. Yeah. That was my, that was my radio DJ voice. <laughs> But like you know, that's what that's what a lot of people think when they think wedding DJ. Yeah. They think that corny guy. Now, granted, obviously that's changed, and the vast majority of DJs aren't like that, or at least I would hope. Um, you know, obviously we don't really see too many. I don't go to enough weddings, and I'm only at the right. other ones. So you hope they're not like that, but there's a good chance that a lot of them are. I've talked to like other DJs about this too, but and the, the thing with weddings is, and I don't know what, how you feel about this, but I feel like seventy five. 80% of what you play at a wedding is kind of mass appeal stuff mm-hmm. where for all ages, uh, when I say all ages, I mean like adult, oh, yeah. adult stuff ages. That, stuff that appeals you know, right. to everyone. And then the other 20% is specifically centered on the couple. Mm-hmm. Like, and you mix them both in. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. But also, you you know, it's, it's the DJ. And this is a point that, you know, I feel that couples need to need to know uh, I always address it to couples like you know it is obviously 100% your day it is about you but you also have to think about the enjoyment of your of your crowd you know like you might want to hear and you know I'm going to use this example not naming it but one one of my weddings in October I remember the bride gave me a long list of must plays now granted a good bit of them were stuff that I probably would have played anyway or maybe like you know clicked made something clicked I'm like oh yeah like I probably that's something I might have forgot, but it's a good one. But then she was really into, uh, really into like Cardi B, and as she called it, Ratchet. Uh, what, let's see, um, if I'm I'm allowed to curse, right? Oh, this is fucking. <laughs> no, I'm just messing. <laughs> uh, her exact words were Ratchet ass shit. So I was playing some of that, and it did not go off at all. Like people did not want to hear it. Now there was younger people at the wedding. You know, there's ranging from like mid twenties to you know, in like I guess the younger crowd to like under forty, and then you know there was obviously the family and everything like that, but even the younger people weren't feeling it. And but you know, like I said, she gave me this long list, and you know, we quick ran over. Like I, I talked to her since because we're friends, uh, and I was like, yeah, you know, like she's like, yeah, she actually admitted to me. She's like, yeah, that stuff didn't go over like I thought it would. I'm like, well, that's you know, that's part of our job. Yes, yeah. you know, our job to kind of figure out when that stuff is appropriate, if it, if it works, if it doesn't work, maybe play it late. So, you know, the couples, we want you to have your must plays. We want you to have the songs that you want to hear, that you need to hear, that are going to rock out with your friends or that you and your, you and your, uh, you know, husband, wife, like absolutely love, like right. between the two of you. But you also do have to think about the crowd around sure. you. You know, you might be super fans of country, are the rest is the rest of your crowd. Right. You know, you might be a fan of like 90s hip hop. Is the rest of your crowd going to dance to that? Or just are they is it music that they're going to dance to in general? Right. You know, and that's it's a big thing that I think a lot of people don't think about or a lot of couples don't think about. They just, you know, they're like I want to hear these songs. Right. And sometimes those songs are great for dinner, cocktail hour. I think it's yeah, yeah, because you can always put them in there. That's as well. a but that's I think a big thing that happens that I, think, I do a lot. I think it's also part of the DJ's job as well. Is if a couple gives you songs mm-hmm. and you have the slightest inclination that these might not work, yeah, I always look at it two ways. You know, when I start playing, you know, everybody always opens up with, mm-hmm. you know, get everybody engaged type of stuff. Yeah, 
I always look to see like if the couple is dancing. Mm-hmm. If they're not dancing yet, okay, or what are they doing? Are they just still making their rounds? Okay, but if they're on the dance floor the entire time, I'm you know I'll play what they want yeah. now. If I throw on a song that I don't think is going to work, but they, like, it's a must play, and they're still on the dance floor, but, like, a majority of the people leave it, I might not play the entire song, but I'm going to play because they're still there. And that's the number one priority is them. So as long as they're having fun enjoying it, and then I'm right back to... So I guess the point being is kind of like what you said, is you also have to be able to kind of mix in yeah um, you just can't go okay these are the songs they want push play fade out you yeah. know you can't do that you have to be able to mix the songs i actually had that at a uh, a super country wedding like everything about it was country middle of nowhere like when i say middle of nowhere i was actually afraid that i was gonna like if my if my headlights went out it was it was gonna be real bad um like getting home uh, you know, like in a barn, there was guests there in jeans and boots with the skull can in their back pocket type of thing. Uh, and the bride gave me, bride and groom gave me a ton, like a ton, probably a good like 30 to 40 country songs. And I do not like country. I don't listen to it. I don't know it. But, you know, that's what we do for our clients is we adapt and we learn. So like, you know, I downloaded all this stuff. I gave it a listen, made sure, you know, Everything was everything was like quality sounding, whatever. But it came down to her just wanting to me just play. Yeah. Like I probably and it was a long, it's probably like a three hour dance portion of the night. And I probably DJed for maybe like physically DJed mixed like party music for maybe forty five minutes. Yeah. The rest of the time she just wanted to hear those songs. She's like, I don't even care if you're repeating them. She actually had me repeat Oh God, what was it? It was fancy like, and she was content and she, she was totally fine with that. So like, that's okay in that situation. But yeah, you're right. Really, like, I've had, I've had couples when I met with them say, look, like we're just like, we just want to chill. Like mm-hmm. we're going to have like, you know, we're going to have, you know, horseshoes outside. We're going to have all kinds of like games and stuff. Like we just like want real chill, just kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've done weddings like that before where there's not, like, a lot of people on the dance floor. And as a DJ, you think you did, like, a fucking terrible... Like, oh, my God, I'm the worst DJ yeah. in the world. Terrible job. And the couple comes up, and they're like, dude, that was so much fun. Like, that is, that's exactly what we wanted. Yeah. And, like, then you feel better. Then you have, you know, couples you meet with, and, like, we want to dance. We want to party. Yeah, let's and fucking rage! You get some that are... Honestly, then you get some that are kind of, like, a combination of the two, saying, like oh, we're going to be the most lit group ever, and then they do nothing. Yeah. You know, and a lot of factors go into that, and I think that's actually good when you brought up, like, the horseshoe thing. I think that's important for couples to understand that the more options you have at a wedding, like, the more things you have, and especially for those who have any type of outdoor option, whether it's just a balcony, like, you know, like, for example, I'm just thinking, like, the Power Center at Duquesne. Like, it's not huge, but there's a balcony outside. It's a nice night. People are going to go out there. Sure. Um, especially, like, people who do, like, because barn weddings are obviously becoming more popular. People setting up outside things there. Or if it's, like, one of, like, a backyard-type wedding and you got tents and you just have things set up on the outside. That greatly affects the dance floor. So you have to know that going in. And, like, the, the couples have to know that going in. Clearly, you know, us knowing our venues, 
we're like, and you know, we talk in our planning process, we talk about like, oh, you know, what's going on here? Like, tell me about what you envision for your night. And they're like, oh, we're going to have a uh, cornhole over here and we're going to do this and this and we're going to have this cigar area over here. You know, and I said, and I always, I just try to let them know, you know, that sounds great. That sounds super fun. I will let you know that, you know, too many options will affect the dance floor for a good while. Yeah. You know, uh, I was back, one of my favorite, one of my favorite weddings was actually one of my oldest, oldest friends. We've been friends literally since we were babies. Uh, I did her wedding in North Carolina and it was at a, in Charlotte at a distillery, which just, you know, that's right. That's right in my wheelhouse. Bourbon and beer is right in my wheelhouse. I hear and you there. My dad, well, my Sucking dad, that. yeah, my dad had a little too much fun at that one. Yeah. Well, mainly before he's out sampling everything. And, uh, but she ended up, uh, their food, they had, um, like two or three food trucks. It was a beautiful day. It was like April. It was like 60, you know, 65 degrees. Absolutely beautiful day out. And everyone just sat outside. Dance floor started off great because we started at the right time, you know, with our order of events. And then, you know, just everyone was like, oh, you know, the food trucks are here. We're going to go outside and sit. And then she comes in. She's like, she's like, I am so sorry. I did not realize that. She's like, but you can't, she's like, you can't be mad at me for this beautiful weather. And I'm like, you're right. I was like, she's like, I'll handle this. You know, went outside, yelled at everyone to come back in. And then, and then the party went off. But, you know, it was like no one in there. And I'm sitting there, you know, I was like, got my parents there. They've never heard me DJ before. And they're like thinking like, wow, our son is trash. <laughs> Actually, my dad in his drunken state came over and was like, I think you need to do a little bit better job. No one's dancing. I'm like, shut up, dad. Sit down. <laughs> I love you, dad. Get out of here. But like, it can affect, you know, it, it affects the dance floor. And again... It's not all about us, clearly. It's no. about what the couple wants. But you know, if they're looking for a, a, like a super pumped, super packed dance floor, they have to know that certain things they do are gonna affect yeah. it. It's like, it goes both ways. I mean, there's there's crowds where like, there's crowds that are just like, partiers, dancers, where you could literally probably play the chicken dance over and over and they don't give a shit. Like, oh. they're, they're going hard. Those are so amazing. <laughs> it just, it like, it, it's just like the confidence booster. Let me, it let, just makes you feel so good. Let me say that I I never play the chicken dance at a wedding. I unless, played it once because it was specifically unless requested. Unless it's specifically requested by the literally, couple. Literally sure. once. And they wanted all of the, it was like a big Italian wedding. Yeah. And they wanted all of those things. Like, they wanted the YMCA, yeah. the electric slide they wanted everything they wanted conga lines and i'm like okay look if that's what we're doing that's what we're doing i mean it was fun yeah man yeah, yeah. never uh i mean i did a, I I did a wedding was. once where they wanted all of that and people were on the dance floor all night what you just heard was that was ken kennedy the monster ken, dog dropping bones ken's trying to get back into the swing of things she was off for two months these so. microphones are fantastic like you hear you hear her claws like Oh, yeah. around. She, yeah. and go, go back to work. Go back to so, work. I remember, and this is crazy. So, like, I started off DJing with, I think it was called, like, the my, when I started, like, actually DJing, the Hercules RMX. It's a little, like I said, it was about the size of a laptop, had two little jog wheels on it, super tiny, you know, but it, everything hooked up into that, hooked into an amp, like, computer hooked into that, you know, lame version of, you know, a mixer that we might use now. So, I had got... Uh, I bought turntables and I bought the 57 SL, which was like at the time that was like the thing. And I was using a, and I remember this is actually like, I know we talk about like, you know, I always say like, what's your worst thing that's happened at a wedding or whatever. And yeah. I like, I always, I've been very, very fortunate to not have like, you know, 
fights and this, that, and the other breaking up. I'm very fortunate. Uh, but like for me personally, I got the, I got to this wedding and I set up everything. Now I had like a, a Samsung laptop at the time, and I was saving money to buy a MacBook because they see you know like it was compatibility issues. Right. It worked every single time I practiced at home. But if I took it out anywhere, it didn't work. Like I used to do, uh, I still do sporadically, but I used to do like sale gigs, like after hours gigs at Victoria's Secret. Mm -hmm. I remember bringing it there, didn't work. And I basically had to like figure out a way to get my sound into my speakers and like, because for some reason, like it didn't work through the laptop. But anyway, so I go to this wedding and I get set up. It was actually for someone that I had gone to high school with who lives out here. And I get set up and it doesn't, like I'm testing out my sound, doesn't work. Like it's like basically like everything looks like it's going and there's no sound coming out. Something like some like sound card slash windows issue. It's like a glitch it. type of thing. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it was like, I just couldn't understand the fact that it worked out at home every single time. And I'm like, oh my God, freaking out. Luckily, I just, as an emergency, I had packed the little Hercules controller. So I kept all the stuff set up. I kept the two turntables set up. I just kind of took the mixer out. So like, and I put the little controller in between them. And so it looked like I had a whole setup. Meanwhile, I'm just playing on this little <laughs> guy. little guy. I mean, the, the wedding went fine. I don't really, like I said, it was so long ago, like, you know, like almost, almost 12 years ago now that like I did it. I don't remember a thing, but it, it went off just fine. But like, I was panicking. It was like, absolutely like freaked me out. Like, oh my God, I'm going to ruin their wedding. And I'm like, oh wait. I pack the other thing just in case. Do you get uh, Do you get nervous before every wedding still? Sure. Um, I'm a perfectionist, and yeah. I also have an intense fear of failure. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, those two things combined, like, little mess-ups, like, if I say someone's name slightly incorrect. That's my it biggest just, It just gets me. Like, that's why I always write names out phonetically. Yeah. And, you know, when you, get your, when you get your, like, ethnic, like, your Greek weddings, and you've got, like, 15 syllables down on your paper, you know... It, it, trust me, it, it helps then, then getting those wrong. I do, like, the one thing that helps is, like, I get to weddings super early. I always tell my clients, like, I'm going to be there two hours ahead of the time that you need me to start. It doesn't take me two hours to set up. It no. takes me maybe an hour. But I also hate from the bar scene. I hate going, setting up, and playing immediately. Just yeah. always hated that, even at the bar. Like, I always like to have a little bit of time just, just to for, yeah. think about, especially the bar, like, think about where I want to go tonight, like, where I want to play tonight. Obviously, wedding's different, but, like, I take that time, you know, let myself get changed, especially, you know, when you got your summer, you yeah. know, and you need to, like, basically shower yourself off with, like, a washcloth in the bathroom uh, just to get back to normal. Uh, so that's why I always get there ahead of time. That that usually helps in then going over the notes and thinking about what you want to play. That helps kind of ease it. And then, like, once, it's funny, like, you know, with Crush and I working last night together, it was kind of the same thing. Like, we were just sitting there, like, you know, cocktail hours in the room, and, you know, dinner went a little long, and then they had a... a special dance uh, that went probably like 15 minutes 20 minutes or so uh, it was like a big traditional Greek thing yeah. uh, it was very nice it was just like and it was cool I always think those things are cool it was just it was long and we're like you know can't wait to get to the party part yeah and then it, like everything goes away once that happens everything goes away it's weird you know like I don't I don't want to be on the mic more than I have to right you know do the announcements do the speeches all that stuff and it, and it all goes well and good I think it's like more like as soon as everything gets started, it's gone. Yeah, like it's you, just like you're in your mind if you're that type of person. You're like, yeah, you feel like you're like, what's gonna happen? I'm not gonna screw this up. Yeah, because you're in your, you know, you're you're in your element. Yeah. Who are your favorite DJs to listen to? Favorite DJs to listen to, pretty pretty easy. I uh, 
Pittsburgh guy lives, I don't even know if he's in Portland anymore, DJ Zimmy, uh, one of Underdog's good friends. Uh, I know him not well. Like, you know, we know each other enough to be like, hey, what's up? You know, shake yeah. hands, like, dap up. Um, his style has, like, greatly influenced me. Um, I love, like, just how he can blend certain genres together. Like, he's not putting out a hip-hop mix, typically. He's putting out, like, when he does his summer You Gots to Grill mixes, which yeah. I have them all on a flash drive in my car. Like, so yeah, I can just really listen to all good. Them. It just blends, you know, it's like hip-hop, soul, funk, Motown, R&B. Like, sometimes he even throws, like, rock in there. Like, whatever. And I just, I like that because you never want to get pigeonholed as like unless that's what you want to do unless you are an EDM DJ yeah. you know what I mean you don't want to get pigeonholed as that and plus it just helps you especially for weddings to be able to go in and out of, of styles it helps right. you tremendously um, so I listen to pretty much like anything he puts out I listen to and you know, I listen to like one of his mixes he did this one uh, live thing on a radio show in 15 uh, and it's like an hour and a half of mostly Motown and R&B a little bit of hip hop in there but it's all the sample based stuff Oh, nice. I'm huge on like sample-based hip-hop, and so there's something about it that I just like. It, I don't know. It's just so interesting. It's so fascinating. Like for example, the producer. I don't know who the producer was, but like the guy who took uh, Steely Dan and decided like that was working with Lord Tariq and Peter Guns and decided to make Uptown with it. Yeah. Like, what is that? Uh, is that that's not Peg. Now my my, my mind's totally blanking on that. Uh, you know which one, which uh, which track, which Steely Dan track this? But like, how do you take a yacht rock track and you know they're like, that's gonna be a that's gonna be a hip hop banger? It's just like whoever did you know whoever worked with Warren G and picks like yeah, let's pick Michael McDonald yeah. because if you listen to the rest of uh, I keep forgetting it's poppy. It's like you know it's like you know and he's all like high doing his Michael McDonald high pitch thing. It's not just like okay, it's my well, Michael McDonald. That's the one thing people like you know when you see like a producer like. Mm. Just because it's 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 uh, just because it's relevant in my mind, like Dr. Dre, mm-hmm. like when Dr. Dre produces something, the G Funk stuff just from that era, like you know, uh, Leon Haywood want to do something freaky to yeah. you, you know, that became nothing but a G thing. It's like how, like yeah. how is that? You know, it, it's that's just why, amazing yeah, to it's me. Like, that's, that's why, they, why they are who they are, right? And I think about that a lot, you know, just like, and then I'm, you know. One of my favorite genres of music is like guilty pleasure, but I'm very vocal about it. Is yacht rock, yeah. soft rock from the '70s and early '80s. Uh, I could have done that in the yacht rock voice, but I'm not going <laughs> to embarrass myself more than my voice already makes me sound. So, but like, there's a lot of stuff in there that got yeah. that got sampled in the '90s. It's, and it's crazy. It's crazy. Like, uh, I think it was DJ. Um, I think it was DJ Scratch. He mm-hmm. said, you know, someone asked him when COVID shut down and everything and everybody was doing live streams mm-hmm. and, you know, DJs would do like, you know, open, like yeah, they, they would do like, whatever they would do like people ask them questions and stuff. Yeah. And someone, and I was watching scratch the one day and someone asked him like, do you have any advice for like people starting out DJing? Mm-hmm. And his advice was learn the old stuff. Soul, funk r&b he said i'm not talking about like uh i'm not talking about like old to you like i think the person i don't know he's probably in his 20s he's like i'm not talking about like old to you he's like i'm talking about track it was called mo money mo problems (laughs) that's so ancient yeah he's like i'm talking like he was like i'm talking like old 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 he's like i'm talking like you know listen to diana ross Mm -hmm. 
listen, you know, to the Temptations. Yeah. You know, listen to like Sam Cooke. There's a station on Sirius, um, The Groove. It's yeah. all like, you know, it's all that stuff. And unfortunately, now it's like one of those things where those are getting into like the early '90s, and it makes you want yeah. to kill yourself. Because you're old, you're hearing like, you know, <laughs> you're in like some Ray Parker Jr. on there. You're hearing like New Edition. You're like, I mean, I know they were in the 80s too, but it's like, damn it. But his, but his point was like, you have to listen to that stuff because all, everything you hear today, not everything, not but everything. like majority of things that you hear are sampled from stuff yeah. that far back. Like, so you have to. And it's, and sometimes you like samples of samples of samples. Yeah. You know, like, uh, I'm bringing him up again. Zimmy did one. He did. A, he was trying, gonna do more. He's, you know, he just gets so busy. It's called Footnotes Volume One, and it takes. I think it's. I'm probably wrong, but I think it's like 78 to 79, like you know, 1978, 1979, and it takes like the disco. It's a lot of like the disco tracks mostly, and then it blends them with like the old school hip hop that came in there. Yeah. You know, like just all types of different things that you you know you probably never heard of but you're like oh my god that's so that's where like they got the two tracks for Rapper's Delight yeah something along those lines I can like I can go back probably to like the I could go back to like the 60s and I can tell you who my favorite I mean I, I don't know if they're my favorite but I could probably tell you from the 60s till now who one of one of my favorite artists are from like each decade like you know like I, I feel sure. like people should you should you should be able to do that like maybe not your favorite because there, there's so many great yeah. ones it's hard to pick it, one but like you should be able to like someone who you like like bam that's really someone from that era that I absolutely love like 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 60s um like I, just because of like my parents like I'm real big on like Motown like mm-hmm. I love Motown and so like I love Diana Ross like mm-hmm. I love Smokey Robinson. I love, um, you know, Bootsy Collins. Like, I love that stuff because, like, my parents love that stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, 70s, like, I love, like, I'm a big 70s classic rock person. Absolutely. Oh, I love 70s. I listen to it in my car all the time. Like, that's the thing is, like, a lot of, you know, I forget actually what, I don't remember what DJ it was. Uh, It was someone, like, you know, like a, like, probably like a national type figure was like, yeah, like, get out, like, when you go home, don't or when you're on your way back from like home from a gig or like leaving a gig, don't listen to what you put on. Like don't listen to what you played. Yeah. Like I'm mean, you know, I'm not I'm not driving home listening to like serious hits one. Yeah. I'm listening to classic vinyl. I'm listening to like the bridge, yacht rock radio. I'm listening to stuff that's like, you know, granted it does wind me down, but it's just like get yourself out of that zone. Like think of something different. Yeah. You know? I know one of your uh I know one of your hobbies I, I guess you could call it a hobby, is uh MMA, because yeah. you've been into MMA Is, was, for, unfortunately. <laughs> for quite some time. When did you like really fall in love with MMA? So I wrestled growing up. I wasn't great. Uh, I was pretty average, to be honest with you. I just was like, you know, I don't know. Major, it was pretty much all confidence issue. I just like literally had no confidence growing up. Uh, and then I didn't wrestle in college because I just, you know, like I said, I wasn't, I wasn't good enough to wrestle in college at the time. And after college, I started doing Muay Thai, which is like the, the kickboxing with knees and elbows. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved it. I loved it. But like I got hurt, so I stopped and I ran out of money because <laughs> I was only a substitute teacher at the time. So I couldn't even afford, you know, like the monthly like $100 or whatever. Uh, so I stopped doing that. And then probably like a year, probably like 2000, early 2007, I guess it was, or 2006, I was actually 
probably around when like the Ultimate Fighter, like the first season. I think it was that. I think I could be mistaken on the year, but uh, oh, on um, Spike. Yeah, it was, Spike it was like the you know the the key match, like the Force. Like, it it dropped off dramatically, but like I, I remember the, the first, first season, of, like Force Griffin and and Stephen Bonner in the finale. But yeah. like I had always like I liked MMA. I'd watched like the UFC stuff when I was growing up. Like you know, like one of my buddies had like some bootleg tapes of like the early stuff. You know, it was one of the best fights on that show, uh, and I can't remember. Uh, wasn't Nate Diaz's brother on that show? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And yeah, did he? Yeah, Nick. Nick won. He and he that actually was a, shouldn't. He that, shouldn't have won. But that fight was amazing. The and guy they, was beating him. Is Manny him versus Manny Gambarian? Who yeah, was yeah, yeah. Caro Parisian's cousin. Caro Parisian was like old school guy. Like not old school. He's probably like you know mid two thousands. Big judo. Like he was huge in judo. Actually, had his uh, like his instruction book it was like judo for MMA. Which fatty, if you're if you're listening, which you probably aren't, give me my book back, man. It's been like ten years. Uh, one of my former teammates took my book and never gave it back. So anytime I have an opportunity to bring it up, I do. Uh, bring the book back. Damn it. Um, yeah, he was losing that fight in the finale, and then Gambarian blew out his shoulder. I and remember Diaz that, yeah. won by default. But that was. But a, then he. But then like Gambarian never did anything. Diaz became obviously he's fighting McGregor now. Yeah. Um, so I I jumped in. I'm like, you know what? This is something that I had a competitive itch. I wanted to do something physical. Uh, obviously there's no, like, technically there's really no, like, adult wrestling leagues, you know, like anything like that. There is now, which is weird, but anyway, that's a side story. Um, so I started training in 2007, uh, and I picked it up pretty quick. Like, I had already, you know, I had the wrestling base, had this, that, and the other. Uh, started fighting in the end of December of 07 was my first fight, and I only fought, I, I literally did it to fight once. I was yeah. just like, I want to do this to, like, prove myself that I can do this, that yeah. I'm, like... I actually have some damn confidence to get in the cage and, like, you know, potentially get really hurt. Well, it turns out I kicked the guy's ass. Uh, he was significantly larger than I was, and it I worked out. I kicked the shit out of a guy, no big deal. No, it's, it's <laughs> crazy. Like, dude, so the fight was 185 pounds, which yeah. I thought was my weight class, and it turns out it was not at all. Like, I, all my, all my fights after that were at 170. Like, I went into the fight. I barely died. I died it for, like, two weeks. I think I gave up drinking for, like, two weeks. <laughs> I bar- it was in, I coached, I coached wrestling for 13 years uh, during my job. So, like, it was during wrestling season. So, like, I didn't really have much time to train outside of, like, uh, our actual training sessions. Yeah. So, like, I probably ran for, like, a month. Like, did, like, you know, some, like, running and lifting, whatever. I came into that fight 178 and a half pounds. My opponent, he told me afterwards, he cut from like over 205 pounds. Oh, he was wow. this just monster of a man. And my trainer's like, oh shit, like Mike's going to die. And I just beat the crap out of the dude. Like tagged him all over the place, threw him around the cage, took him down. It was great. Like it was great. And then like they gave me confidence to, to keep going. And I only took, what was it, five more fights after that because the problem was, you know, and it's actually the funny thing is, like it goes into the same thing with my availability for weddings. I was coaching from November through March and every Saturday is taken up. Yeah. So like I can't take a wedding during that time. I can't f- I certainly can't fight during that time because you know, I'm my commitment to my job at that, you know, yeah. like my, my coaching job. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of like, I was thinking about that actually on the way over cause I was watching MMA. I was watching the fight last night, the Naganu Gagne fight. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was watching that one when I got home last night and I'm like, Oh my God. I was like, that's, that's a good parallel. Like I couldn't fight in the winter because of wrestling. I was like, I certainly couldn't take, you know, couldn't take weddings because of, you know, I was working. It's funny. You meant when you mentioned you only had to diet for two weeks for the fight to, uh, to get to the weight. Yeah. But my, my dad used to, um, my dad used, my dad was like a, was in education. Mm-hmm. 
and Thursday nights after you know class, like a bunch of teachers would play basketball, mm. and I used to go with them sometimes. And there was a teacher there, and my dad and I can't remember his name, and but my dad said he was the national champion in wrestling in I don't know what year, it was sometime in the '60s or '70s, and. He why he said you know I wasn't the best because I was the best wrestler. He said I was probably the best because I never had the diet. He said I could it, it eat whatever I want and never gained a pound. He said so when other people were like, you know, weak and sweat and trying to meet you know weight. He said you know I could eat whatever I want. I mean I'm sure he couldn't eat whatever no, I he wanted. Yeah. He didn't have to diet. It really. makes a huge difference. Like so he always had energy. You stay connected to it though because you do a lot of. DJing for a lot of the mm-hmm. local MMA circuits. So I, I could not, I know it was, it was obviously after I stopped fighting. Um, one of the, the promoter for, at the time, the organization was Pinnacle Fight, uh, uh, Pinnacle Fighting Championships. Uh, and they did Pinnacle Boxing Championships as well. Uh, he was a friend of mine. Uh, he'd helped actually help me train, do a little bit of boxing for, uh, for one or two of my fights. And he knew just because we were friends on social media and we were friends uh, in general that I DJed. And he's like, you know, do you want to DJ our next our next card? And I'm like, yeah, sure, that sounds awesome because not only am I getting paid to DJ, but I am getting pretty damn decent seats. What's free fights? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, granted, you know, amateur or local MMA isn't always, you're not going to get great fights all the time, but there are some. I mean, you know, there was times where... Uh, you know, like I DJed a couple of Cody Garbrandt's fights, who oh, was wow. a former, you know, uh, former UFC champion. Yeah. Uh, you know, a couple guys who have been in Adam Milstead, uh, who he's not a big name, but he was big around here. But he ended up fighting. I think he had like six fights in the uh, in in the UFC between heavyweight and, and light heavyweight. Like I know I almost DJed his wedding, and then COVID canceled it. <laughs> uh, that was yeah, that was 2020. Or no, I think that was like early 21. I think it got canceled. Maybe it was 20. I don't remember. Um, it all blends together. But yeah, so I started doing that. And the thing is, they, you know, I got a good reception. It's, and it's 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 so different. It's it's actually like, it's not more involved and is more involved than doing a wedding. And, you know, we don't get paid like we do for weddings. Yeah. You know, it, it is what it is. You know, I've kind of uh, succumbed to that fact. But like, you know, you have, let's just say there's 15 fights on there. That means you're getting 30 walkout songs. You know, you got to get the walk, you got to do it. It's a ton of prep work. Because you got to get everyone's walk-on song. You got to get everything in order. You know, you're probably playing an hour once uh, when, when the fans are arriving before first bell, and then you know, so that's your time. You're just doing, you know, it's open format. Absolutely. I play, I play whatever I want. Sometimes a promoter will come up and say, "Hey, can you drop a little bit of this type of genre or this for my wife or whatever?" What's uh, one piece of advice that you could give couples planning their wedding? I actually thought about this last night and. It comes down to pick vendors, and this is this is not for DJs. This is not just for DJs. Pick vendors that fit your style or are flexible to what you want. I'm using it like an example uh, when I plan my wedding, and I'm not going to name venues or anything like that. Uh, we looked at one venue, super super dope venue, surprisingly affordable, but you were locked into their catering service. Now, granted, their catering service would have done what we wanted. My wife and I wanted a cocktail style wedding, which I gotta be honest, it's one of my kind of like recommendations for couples kind of moving forward. As weddings are, I think weddings are gonna get maybe a little smaller, especially like, at least for the time, maybe the next year or so with like COVID and everything mm-hmm. like that. Like couples, look, brides and grooms, look for cocktail style receptions. 
You can knock it down to like 150 people. You don't got to worry about the plated meal. You get, you know, like certain, you know, caterers do like the, the, the you know, just like handheld food. Like so an appetizer. You were, hey, you, were, you were at my wedding. Yeah. You know how went. You had that chicken waffle slider probably. Yeah, like, yeah. Fantastic. I didn't, I didn't get one. <laughs> I had the cheese, little mini cheesesteak though. That was dope. Um, of course, you know, Philly. Yeah, just like um, an appetizer dinner. But, you know, it, it made it it made it made much better. But we, so the, the original venue we looked at, like I said, the caterer would have done kind of what we wanted. Mm-hmm. But it was like, you will choose from this. We will not deviate from this. We won't. And I understand that, like, you know, caterers have set menus. Sure. But they were, like, the least flexible possible. And that was actually a turnoff from us. It, yeah. turned out, it turned out great because the venue would have been way bigger than we needed. Like, we thought that 150 people would be, would take up a lot more space. And it turns out, no, it doesn't. Yeah. Um, but you have to, you know, there are, there are DJs who are set in their style. There are, or in what they do. There are photographers that want things done a certain way, and it's your day. I always tell my couples when we have our meeting, everything is about you. It is on your schedule. 100%. I have such a big issue with pushy vendors who are like, well, it's 6 o'clock, and you said, or you, know, you the couple, whatever, the event coordinator said the, that uh, we were going to have dinner at 6. Why is it not being plated? Chill. Yeah. Like, they wanted a little bit of extra time in their in their bridal suite, hanging out with their friends, or you know, it's it's uh it's time to go. It's time to get the dance party started. It says it, it's supposed to start at eight o'clock. Well, guess what? They're still going around talking to people, and I always tell my couples, talk to as many people as you can during dinner so you can party. Yeah. So you're not drawn away from the dance floor. And we had at our wedding last night, we almost had I want to call it a disaster, but they the uh, uh, the photographers were like. Um, Oh, we want to do a big group picture. This was nine, like nine fifteen, in the middle of a packed dance floor. Like we want to do a group picture away from the dance floor, and Crush was like, "Yeah, no." No, no. He's like, "Here's he." He was extremely respectful, uh, but he was very like to the point. And I was like, "It's like you handled that perfectly." He's like, "Go talk to the bride. Make sure that that's what they still want to do." And it turns out she didn't. She didn't. She and he talked to you know we talked to him at the end. They're like, "Yeah, we kind of you know." Probably should have done that during dinner, whatever. But like, there are a lot of vendors that are super pushy or don't fit. Um, you know, we've talked about this. I know you've talked about this plenty of times, especially with a DJ. You know, if you have a certain musical style and they're not, they're not familiar with it. You know, at least figure out if they're going to be comfortable yeah. playing that. You know, like I said, I'm not a country fan. I don't know country music. I know some artists, but that's about it. Just because of you know hearing them around, right? Um, but, like, I bust my butt to make sure it works for you. I always, you know, when couples ask me when I'm kind of going through the process, like, did you think about this? Did you think about this? Did you think about this? Like, I always give my opinion, like, oh, sure. hey, I've been at this venue before. This is things that I've seen. Mm-hmm. And I always say, like, I'll do whatever you want. I've seen things work well this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, we'll do whatever you want. I like that. A lot of couples have been, you know, they... They ask, like, well, we're not sure, you know, what have you done? What have you seen? And unfortunately, we've seen it all. Yeah. You know, like, especially, like, let's just say, you know, your whole, uh, what order of events do we do? Like, I know personally, I like to knock out a couple things right after the introductions. I like to do first dance and cake cut right away, then speeches. I just think it flows nice. It works. I always suggest it if they're unsure. If they're locked in on what they want to do, that's what we're going to do. The more you can get done before dinner, because I always tell couples, like, what holds up a wedding reception and sometimes it's nobody's fault mm. it's dinner yeah it's just and sometimes it just is what it is sometimes it's not even cake it's just 
it's just a, it is what it is. It happens. Like it's dinner. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's times you know where wedding I did this summer, the bride was just super antsy. I mean, it was a decent sized wedding. It was somewhere close to two hundred, uh, and they were serving dinner super late, and there was still probably about six tables at least, and they were big, you know, like twelve people tables. Hadn't got served yet. And she's like, no, let's go. She's like, they'll catch up. Yeah. I'm like, okay, that's what you want to do. It happened. You know, one thing is we're seeing like that growing need for, and you, I think you've talked about it before, like that, the growing need for elaborate mm-hmm. and like, like the sparkler send-offs and like the dancing on a cloud stuff. And, and it's all well and good. And if that's really what you want, great. One of the, one of my pet peeves as, now granted, again, this is also because I'm not a full-time DJ. I'm not a full-time wedding DJ. I do this on the side as a second job, as a hobby, because I love it. Right. It might be a little bit different if I was doing this myself. Like, if I was doing this as a full-time job, you know, I had, like, a DJ company or whatever. But we are DJs. We're not photo booths. We are not uplighting. We are not dancing on clad. That's right. my pit, that was my Pittsburgh guy. Dance on Clyde, Don Tom. You get down, you know, you can you can set up at the Fairmont and you can you can dance on Clyde all you want. That's pretty good. Probably so. um, but like, you know, when couples are looking like when they're do you have all of these things and they're trying to hire you and it's like they're hiring you based on the non-music stuff, the non-DJing stuff that you offer. That's like, I don't know, it's like a pet peeve yeah. to me because I know for a fact I've lost weddings because I don't have a photo booth to offer. I don't, you know, we rent uplights, you know, we, so we can do that, but it's not something we do on the reg. It's it's one of those things where, like, you know, I feel like the focus is getting away from, like, when it comes to hiring a DJ, the focus is getting away from the music, the music yeah. from the party. You know, I think it was, like, I think it was Nugget who's, like, I just go in and do my thing. I'm like, I just play. Yeah. And, you know, don't worry about anything. I mean, like, you know, Underdog rolls in with, you know, T-Rex and effects, which yeah. is, I love that thing. <laughs> that's the bad, that's the OG light right there. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I'm, but, but yeah, I, I roll in with a simple light. Yeah, I mean, and I've lost weddings, too, before where people, like, do you offer... This, 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 this. Nope. Uh, no, no. Sorry. But, but guess what? I can guarantee you, and I don't want to knock people. Like, that's not what I'm here for. But I can guarantee you those people offering all that stuff probably aren't as good at the DJ. Yeah. And, you know, again, I don't want to knock people. I'm not saying that's true. But the guys that I know that are, like, the cream of the crop of wedding DJs in Pittsburgh, in terms of quality, I should say, the vast majority of them don't have all these like elaborate packages, like the TV screens. Oh, that's my that's big. That's probably my number one. Like, what you can do with that? For me, for what my job is for these couples, it is about providing the music for the party. Yeah. Are people gonna again? Are people gonna be like, yo, remember that fog? Remember that fog at, at Tim and Kathy's wedding? No. Yeah, yo, that sparkler sent off. Lit. Five years later, no, they're gonna be like, no, I rock on Facebook. Oh, did you? What's your craziest wedding story that you have? So, you know, I mentioned earlier, like, kind of the the, um, the technical thing that, like, my laptop and all-new system didn't work. Uh, you know, that was just me privately, literally before the ceremony. But I've been fortunate, you know, again, not doing the 40 weddings a year. The likelihood of me having a crazy thing happen is very slim. Uh, the craziest thing that I have seen in a wedding was actually my own. 
my bartender showed up something out of his mind, uh, literally comatose in a chair. Uh, and luckily, I had DJ Underdog was my DJ. And just if you think we're keeping things in the family, like Joe and I have been planning my wedding for about 10 years. So it just took me the while to find the one to actually marry. We had been planning my wedding since I worked with him, uh, like when, since, since I followed him to the wedding. So it was not just a, oh, hey, like, you know, you're my boy, like, you're doing my wedding. It was like, this has been going on for a decade now. Um, but like, luckily, like, you were working with him. Uh, Tony and Jeff were guests. Crush and Mad Dog were guests. Uh, so they were there also just kind of helping set up and hang out, whatever. And he, like, he was my head bartender, had helped me do all my purchase orders, like the amounts that I needed, and he was on point. He showed up, whether he was coked out or heroined out or drunk, or I don't know what. He was just fucked up. <laughs> all I know is, like, luckily, Jeff was there and was able to, like, find a way to get him in a cab and go home, and we had to... Uh, the other bartender knew him, but also was a good friend of mine and was able to call in one of our friends, one of our kickball teammates to come and, and no one, like my dad later in the night, I told, I think I told him, he's like, if you had told me that, like, I would not have, or he's like, I knew ahead of time. He's like, I would not have known that guy was, you know, uh, uh, had never bartended before. Didn't even know how to pour a drink. Well, so I didn't know that that was your... Your craziest wedding story. I feel terrible that it was your own <laughs> wedding. No, but why not? I don't know if you knew this, but until that bartender got there, I don't know if you probably didn't because it was your wedding. You weren't paying attention to a lot of things. Like you were, but I actually jumped behind the bar and was serving drinks until the other bartender got there. I appreciate that. Look, oh, dude, let's go. Bump I brought my, brought my. Fucking Tom Cruise cocktails. <laughs> no, I didn't. What's funny is if we I had, tried like, doing any of that, I dropped. We had a specific way. no shot policy, and it wasn't to be like lame or anything. Or like people are gonna drink anyway. Like you know, we didn't have shot stuff, I guess. And uh, Cody did not know that. Uh, that was the alternate bartender who came in. He did not know that, and then it just was a free for all. Like all of a sudden, I'm like expecting to get like a bottle or two of Jack back that we had purchased. I'm like, sweet, I'll have it for the bar at home. No, they were gone. No, it's gone. And I find all my fraternity brothers were ripping shots of Jack. I'm like, well, I would have liked some of that. Mike, thank you so much, brother. I appreciate you being here, man. We'll have to we'll have to do this again sometimes. We'll have to get like. Hopefully, I can make the round table this time, you dicks. <laughs> we are. We I was trying do. to do it Zoom. Got a baby at home. Yeah, we will do another roundtable episode at the end. And then they made fun of me (laughs) in the middle of it. We'll do another roundtable episode at the end of this season. Thanks, Mike, for coming through. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. That was Mike Bothwell, a.k.a. DJ Ill. If you want to get in contact with Mike, you can catch him on his Instagram at DJ Ill215. You can catch him on his Facebook, DJ Ill, and his website. You can catch him at DJ Mike Bothwell. You know, the wedding tip that I wanted to leave you with this evening is it's more or less for bridal parties or anyone giving speeches. So whenever you're giving a speech, the DJ is typically handing you a microphone. Those microphones, believe me, those microphones cost somewhere between $400 and $1,000, guaranteed. Please do not do a mic drop after your speech. As much as you want to do a mic drop, do not drop that mic because those mics can be damaged beyond repair if you drop one. So please just keep that in mind when you're doing your speech. Once again, I want to thank my man, DJ Ill, for coming through. 
And as always, if you want to get in touch with me, you can catch me on my Instagram. You can catch me on my Facebook. Or you can catch me at my website, and that is djrickymatthews.com. And that is Matthews with one T. There was a mistake at Ellis Island. And of course, what makes a great wedding? The four wedding G's. Good company, good music, good food, and good booze. I'll see you out there on the dance floor. You're amazing. Oh, God, I think you're amazing. Oh, my God, don't ever leave me. Ever. Good. Because I'd find you. <laughs> yeah. The folk shall be within you.
can't keep count. New kicks give me cushion like whoopee. Keep a smile like an eating ball cookie. Everything good. I'm white boy awesome. Up all night. Johnny Carson. I ain't got a Benz, no, just a Honda. But try and get my money like an anaconda. Real, real long. Cross the country. Smoke joints in the whip. No cap can bust me. Driving to the stage, they applaud and scream. All them pretty little girls coming flock to me. Yeah, I rack the beat. Jimmy Johanna. <laughs> and then the original word though before that was Chompy. Yo, that's the hand me that Chompy right there. <laughs> 